This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. The, no, no, it was, it was the ringtone on Skype. I had it up. Um, turns out my headphone volume had been knocked on my audio interface. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That'll teach me. <laughs> yeah, no buzz this week either, so, so your side's good. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I think it must have just been the XLR cable last week, because as soon as I yeah. shifted that, it instantly resolved. Most likely. I'm not, I'm not ruling out the MacBook being the fault in some way. <laughs> no, it's the sort of thing that should just be an analog light interference of some sort, so... Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know the MacBook's at, like, the digital end of the of the chain. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it should either be or not be, but oh. given how this week's panned out, <laughs> with, with, with regard to the MacBook, nothing would surprise me at this point, so... It knows. <laughs> it does, yeah. Oh. Although it's behaving at the moment. This is what this is. Um, okay, can't figure it out. So what was it? Uh, Thursday, I think it was Thursday. I uh, I was using it in the afternoon, so between sort of like two and four p.m. Yeah, and I I had like a script running that was taking ages, and I needed it to finish. So I, um, when the boys woke up from the nap, I popped the uh, the MacBook up on the counter in the kitchen just so it could finish while you know get the boys up and do that sort of stuff. Yep. And then I just looked at the screen. I was like, oh, that's odd. There's this, there's this line down it. And I thought, oh, it's probably... Because um, I think I had Slack full screened at the time. Yeah. And my instant reaction was to blame Slack. <laughs> just just because Slack, Slack. on Mac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's fine. So I probably left it for like an hour, just thinking, oh, it's just Slack, dude. Don't worry about that. And uh, yeah, it it just never went away. So I've kind of got this one, one or two pixel width line about two thirds across the screen that's just going vertically all the way down it okay uh, yeah that's not sounding I, healthy no i mean i thought maybe it could be like the uh, uh the, the connector like maybe a pin has come loose yeah so i decided the whole like you know very gently moving the screen through its sort of angles that it can go through to see if it would change as you did so which would have been the preferred option, really, if that was the fault, because I could just quickly, you know, reseat a cable and hopefully it'd be fixed, but it yep. seems that's not, not the case at all. Uh, uh, I think it's probably GPU. Yep, sounding some, likely. Well, but something something related to the GPU, because <coughs> the the line on the screen, it can change in colour based on what I'm doing. That's that's weird. That's, that's like, that's almost like it could actually just be the screen. Well... Possibly, well, like if it's had an impact or something, and just like it's knocked out mm. one or two lines of pixels. Yeah, I don't know how this works. To be fair, I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> like you know, if, if there's a, a single connection that's kind of been screwed around with or something, maybe that could be an outcome. Um, yeah. Does it does so, it do it when you boot the operating system up? Yes, it does it on okay. the uh, on the app. Oh, here we go. The lines just come back now as we're talking. Yeah. It's heard us. <laughs> it so if you put your, have you got a bootloader on the go because of the um, the hackintosh side of it? Uh, no, it just it just um, it's a sort of like a vanilla installer Catalina that's just been patched in terms of drivers. Right. Okay. Um, hmm. As far as I know. Yeah. So I mean, one one test would be to get like a. Um, 
I don't know if these are even still a thing, but like a live a live disc, live um, boot. Oh yeah, like Ubuntu or something. Yep, yep. And yep. then then connect that up in one way or another on a, a USB stick or whatever. Um, and you know you hold down Alt or when Alt yep. when you start up and boot off of that and just see what that does. But if it's doing it anyway, then it, it's kind of somewhere between the it's a connection of some sort. I would say. Yeah. So typically it's like a turquoise kind of colour. Yeah. It's kind of half flashing on and off at the moment as, as we're talking. Mm. Um, sometimes it's red or like a yep. magenta. Um, so yeah, I'm at a bit of a loss. Sometimes oh. it doesn't do it at all. It's not been doing it at all until, well, just now when we started talking. And I, yeah. I wonder whether it's um, almost correlating to the load that the machine's under. It could be correlating to the heat. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. And the obvious place to point your finger at is your graphics card however this machine has two graphics cards yeah you're on the, the discrete aren't you well this is where it gets interesting because i've got this app that can uh obviously if i go onto the dedicated nvidia whatever it is 33 yeah 330m or whatever it is um the machine has a tendency to crash but it doesn't crash all the time in fact it can go several minutes without crashing so i thought i know what i'll do i'll, I'll sp- I've got this app that will lock it, lock it onto one GPU or the other. Yep. So I switched to the NVIDIA GPU and the line remained. Oh. And then I switched back to the Intel <coughs> integrated chip and the line's still there. So it doesn't seem that, to matter which GPU I use. That indicates like a loose connection or something. That indicates it being hardware side rather than than software to the, on the Possibly. screen. Unless it's to do with some sort of chip that comes after either GPU. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how these things are architected, but... There must be something that sort of bridges the connection between the two, right? Yeah, because so it, swap cause it does dynamically two. switch, doesn't it? When it yeah. when it's working and you've got both GPUs, it should dynamically switch and you shouldn't be any the wiser as the user. Exactly, yeah. It just yeah, does what so. it needs to do. Hmm, that's interesting. That I feel like that's that's hardware at some point of the chain rather than it being software yeah. at all. Yeah, that's my gut feeling on it, which uh, mm. is kind of good. Well, not kind of good, actually. It's, it's kind of bad. <laughs> so it, can, it, it's kind of, kind of, yeah, a bit of a ticking clock. Uh, yeah, because you don't know whether that's a sign of it about to go go pop or or what. Yeah, um, precisely. And, or it could just keep on trucking like that for another yeah, year, two years, five years. <laughs> well, I, I need it to keep going for at least until we know what this 16-inch is. Yeah. Um, because it would be a real pity to come this close to it being launched and then have to throw in the towel on uh, holding out for it and get something else. Um, yeah. I'm not adverse to getting something else. I feel mm-hmm. like, in a, in a lot of ways, they may announce the 16-inch and I may get something else anyway. But I need to see what the 16-inch is to decide whether getting something else is a good idea or not. At this stage, yeah. Yeah, you do. Because otherwise you choose something else and then 16 inch gets announced and you're going to be going through all of that with a machine that you're going to want to potentially get rid of exactly yeah uh whereas the choices are are clearer when they're all in front of you before you spend anything out so yeah um i feel your dilemma and it kind of feels like any machine that you get just because this one's died or, or dying as it were um that's that's not the solution you're really looking for. No, it is so, not. <laughs> no. 
I, I wanted. I was going to screen share um, something with you just because I was working on it earlier, and I think it's it's kind of interesting. Right, how to introduce us? Something that I've been spending a little bit of time on this week has been um, automating the screenshots for my app Go VJ. Uh, so I think I've mentioned this to you a few times, Dave. I sort of did automated screenshots for AirSynth. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, yeah. yeah, and so I've reached a point with um, with GoVJ where I'm making a small update to the original app. Version 2 of the app is on a separate branch and is its, its own thing that I'm probably going to be hacking away on for the next probably five months or so easily. Uh, so I have this situation where I want to put out a point release to the old version of the app. I want that to um, to kind of signpost to users that version 2 is being worked on and to give them links out to the website and stuff that tells them about that if they've bought the app which they will have done if they're a user then they will get a f- um, get the updates uh, next year for free uh, because we don't have paid upgrades on, on, or any of that with the app store so I kind of figured it's better to just go with goodwill and give it to everybody who's already bought the app so I'll signpost that for them um, and there's a couple of small little bits that have kind of made their way in. I've got a couple of small changes that are, are in there just to help people. Um, so I kind of became aware of the fact I'm going to have to update my screenshots, really, because they're kind of old. They don't really advertise the app very well, and there's going to be enough time between now and when version 2 is ready uh, that, you know, kind of sprucing up its its App Store page is, is probably a good idea. Uh so I thought I may as well spend the time automating screenshots in the older version of the app just to kind of make sure that if I need to do any other sort of small point releases or change anything at all between now and when version 2 is ready, I can just run one command line and it will spit all of the screenshots out for me. Seemed like it's probably going to be worth my while because I can, can foresee that's probably going to happen. Yeah. Um... And so what I've ended up with, I'm going to screen share this with you now, actually, Dave, I think. <laughs> this um, should be interesting. Let's just right. see if uh, Skype's going to hold up and your machine will hold up. And That's, and that's what else. I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> right, if everything crashes out, then we'll we'll play the, the technical difficulties jingle. <laughs> I can see your screen. Cool. How many emails have you got unread? Oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. <laughs> what do you mean, don't worry about that? That's over 5,000 emails you haven't read. Yeah, I've, I've synced an old account. Shame um, I've on got, you. Yeah, I know. I normally turn, <laughs> I just turn off the badge. Um, <laughs> right, so, moving swiftly on. So, I've got, I've got this old project that's full of Objective-C all over the place and storyboards and all of that, and that's, that's the whole reason that version 2 is a thing. Yeah. What I've done to set this all up is I, I, I'm running Fastlane and a tool that um, is kind of bundled with it called Snapshot and Snapshot gives me a library that I can execute inside of a, a UI test um, just to tell it to go and make a screenshot uh-huh. you bring everything together, you have a target that's got all of your um, UI tests inside of it Fastlane is configured to then kick off an Xcode build script that goes and invokes all of that um, and then the snapshot library, when it's called by the UI test, um, handles taking a photograph of the application at that point in time. 
So, bringing it all together, I run this single command line, just fast lane screenshots from the roots of my, my working directory. Yeah. It's got the project in. It sits around and goes and kicks off all the different simulators I've got configured, and then boom. This is the, the final output. I've got the two tests, and it shows you all the size classes I've got configured with their That's respective cool. different things. Yeah. That is so cool. So, you know what? Screenshots were just like the bit I always dreaded, especially with with Armchair. Yeah. Um, my old Kodi remote, because I feel like I had kind of two issues at hand. I had, first of all, the fact I had to do the screenshots at all, because once you start multiplying out the different device sizes, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. The other issue I had was obviously being a remote control for Kodi, the kind of stuff that I would have in my screenshots would be like movie posters yep and of course that's not my property to use in screenshots i know looking on the store a lot of other apps did it but they shouldn't have um you know like you'd see some that would have like star wars in or something like that in yeah in their screenshots so you can't can't really do that (laughs) um so i i think i had to um i remember i made like a load of fake dvd movie covers right using like free royalty free images um, and just chucking them into Affinity Design and making up random titles with sort of cool-looking fonts that you might see on a box of a DVD. Oh, wow. And uh, at one point, I would take screenshots in the simulator with like actual movie photos of my movies, then I would overlay manually in Photoshop these fake ones. That I made. And it was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like, towards the end, I managed to configure Cody to um, pull in my images by default so that my screenshots would have that already in it gotcha so you had like a, a dummy directory almost or something i had, I had a, a dummy Kodi library basically yeah um so when i connected to that dummy library all of the um all the movies and tv shows and whatever would already have that artwork in them with their sort of fake titles and fake descriptions and stuff like that um too bad i didn't know about this at the time because this, <laughs> this would have been the cherry on the cake in terms of like just finally removing that that stress because it always I remember there was one part of me once that was like, well, I would like to do an update, but it doesn't seem like enough of an update to warrant going through all the headache of doing screenshots again. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it. That's part of the reason that I've sort of figured, well, I'm going to invest just this little bit of time now um, because then, like, doing point releases or quick bug releases or whatever, I mean, sometimes those things don't change your screenshots and you can just use the last ones, but there's a possibility something might and now I'm not going to really worry about that. So so that's helpful. Because um, I, I don't really feel happy about having an app that I can't just go in and do a quick point release um, when it's going to take me so long, I think, to get like the next version out of the door. You know, like yeah. that version's architected a, a lot better and, and is, is a, a code base that I'm going to be much more comfortable just making small changes on. I mean, this, but I'm not there yet. And even then, when I'm there, I'm going to have to do something like this to it as well um, and put it into this state where I can make screenshots really easy. It's, it's the same problem all over again, uh, regardless of how s- sort of stable the co-base is. Um, but the cool thing with this is like my um, my method that I've used here, I can borrow some of that and bring that into the new app. Um, there's a few things I've got, like the... Um, you'll notice that the app plays videos and one of the things that happens is that when when it loads up 
they start playing immediately. And then depending on like, you know, a number of different factors, getting the screenshot to, to look exactly the same is actually quite tricky because the movie plays and it's kind of variable as to when it's going to snapshot it. Yeah. So, you know, I've got in, in my app, it's a video mixing app. I've got two channels of video side by side and then their blended output is at the top of the app. And on all these screenshots, they look pretty much exactly the same. And what I've done for that is I've actually taken um, taken some of my demo content. Um, I've then took a single still frame and turned that into a single still frame of video. And then when I configure the app um, to respond to, to being in UI testing mode, it plays one of those single frame videos. <laughs> Gotcha. Um, so, th- so they're looping, and they're, I mean, I, I tell it to just pl- to t- turn the speed down to zero. But even then, depending on when that call actually makes it through the engine, depends on how far along the video might actually have got. Um, but um, yeah, so essentially everything is playing at like paused, essentially, but with one single frame of video, and that means that all the screenshots come out looking exactly the same in terms of what they're blending and what they're showing. Yeah, because I imagine how you show the two street, uh, the two channels of video being blended could actually impact what a user might think of the app. Yep. Because I can tell quite clearly the one that you're showing me now. They're yep. sort of clearly, it's very clear what's going on. Like you've got channel A, channel B, and then you've got the mixed output. Yes. And the mixed output looks spot on. Like clearly these two single things have been mixed, whereas perhaps if channel A and channel B were sharing a different frame and the output would, frame wasn't quite as obvious that the two had been mixed, Yep, it wouldn't be quite right, would it? No, it wouldn't. And that has been exactly the problem that I've had every time I've come to, to making the screenshots in the past. You've got to so, just sit there and wait for the right moment and quickly do a screenshot. Yep, yep. And then desperately, like, I was kind of essentially uh, manually going through the different sizes, setting up the same videos, um, turning the speed down to nothing on the speed controllers that I've got, I'm trying to get it so that it kind of cut the speed to a pause state at a similar time for each one. Um, and then they would roughly come out looking kind of similar. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was never happy with that. So this gets me, you know, 95% of the way there to them being exactly the same. The bits that are slightly different that I know about is that my um, my playhead on the videos might be variable as to where it is you can see it on on one of the screenshots i've got on my screen at the moment has a little blue line that indicates how far through the video it is yeah and that that depends on all of those timings and considerations that i mentioned before as to whether that'll be there or somewhere else that's totally fine though isn't it yeah i don't care at this point that's that's not important no you've got a good result there i would say that's um yeah i I think I'll definitely be using that that approach when when, when the time comes because there is no way I'm going back to the old way that was painful and I don't no. want to go there again. <laughs> it's immen- immensely powerful. Yeah, it's, it's something that I picked up with with AirSynth um, as well, and again with that I was so glad that I did because when I when I updated AirSynth um, a few weeks after the first release, I added um, like different color schemes, so so the user can pick different themes in the app. And that clearly needed 
um, yeah. some updates in terms of the screenshots to communicate that feature. And when it came down to it, I, I think I added like a change one of the screenshots to just show specifically the theme selection. Um, and then there's other screens along the way that kind of show you what you've got. And um, for those, I didn't have to do anything. I just ran the um, the script and it brought all of that together, booted me out the screenshots and, and off I went. That's cool. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that feels like the way it should be. Um, yeah. In a sense, I'm surprised that this requires a third-party tool. Yep. Kind of feels like something that should be sort of in Xcode somehow. <laughs> I, f- I feel like the command to take a screenshot and have it, you know, get spat out somewhere locally on the disk, you know, that, that you could choose a destination for it to save to as well. When you're in sort of like UI test mode, I feel like that should be built into to like X, hang on, what is it, XE test case? XC, yeah, yeah. It feels like it should be somewhere within that side of, of, um, of the API. And that you, there, there should be something, you know, off the shelf that Apple gives you for at least that bit. Um, but Snapshot seems to work really well. So I, even if it existed, I'm not sure I would would be too fussed now. Yeah. yeah. No, it seems like it seems like you've um, sort of putting in that effort up front, isn't it, to get the reward back down the road? And I'm yeah. just like the, the worst for making the wrong decision in those situations. <laughs> um, I, some, sometimes I think... Oh no! I could put in some work now, and it might take I don't know half an hour, an hour, maybe two hours, but I'll never have to deal with this problem again. Or I can kind of do it the old-fashioned way, and then yeah. I just quickly whisk through it, and it's done. I quite often choose the latter when I know I shouldn't, and I'm trying to be more sort of aware of that and make conscious choices to be like, no, actually, I'm not going down that road again because <laughs> you end it's- up with this thing that you constantly have to do yourself, and you tell yourself it's fine, but really it annoys you every single time. And this is kind of like the power of sort of computing and modern computing in a way isn't it is that you can do a lot of stuff in, yeah. in an automated fashion so i'm just i'm just trying to become more aware of that and sort of be better at it and i'm, I'm trying to be aware of like when is a, a good time to make that decision you know i mean there is an argument to say okay i'm selling the app today with screenshots that have been selling the app for the last year and did i really need to make new screenshots and automate them you know just to get it out the door well no i didn't but one of the things that I'm trying to do is actually improve my, my conversion rate. And these screenshots are actually directly tied to that conversion rate when people look at the App Store listing. Um, so one of the other things that I can do here is that, you know, if, if I put this put the app into the store with these screenshots and then uh, for whatever reason, like sales just drop, you know, and I think it might be because like the first screenshot I've got is awful or something, you know, that I've, I've messed something up. Again, with this methodology, I can actually just kind of change the test and change the, the, the configuration that I've got for that screenshot and then just hit the command line. It spits them all out and I've just got to bump the build and push through an updated app version. You know, I mean, I've still got to go through all of the App Store review and all of that side of stuff. But if I just want to mess around with, with one of these screenshots and not a lot of other things have changed in the app even, um, it, it makes that process a lot easier. Um, so I don't know, I can, I can dress it up and I can rationalize it. I'm just really, I guess, kind of stoked that I can just hit one button and everything goes and I've not got to spend all that effort all over again. Yeah, absolutely. You think you're doing a video preview for it as well? 
<laughs> yeah, that's the bit that's not quite so easy to automate. No, um, no it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to put a bit more thought to that for version two of the app, but at the moment in this interim, I'm not going to bother. I would be inclined to encourage you to do one. You think? I don't know. To me, it seems like... Uh, I mean, it's not going to guarantee more sales, but it could. And yeah. it's a way of doing that without doing any dev. I guess so. I think... Sort of using what you already have. Obviously, you'd have to make the video. but I would, yeah. And, and I think I need to just check how many different versions of that video I'd need to make to sort of be effective. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, again, with... With AirSynth, I did do a video preview, but that was just for the um, for the iPhone 10 size. And I seem to remember that the um, the 10R, because bear in mind I shipped before the the 11 was out, um, and so we had the the 10 sizing and the 10R and the 10s 10s Plus phones, and and they had video previews, but I don't think I bothered for anything else. So I didn't bother for the for the iPad Pros, for right. example. Um, and because AirSynth uses the the uh, Face ID camera, I wasn't too fussed about showing a video for all of the um, the apps that are using the fallback control mechanism. Yeah, because like, they're not really your user, are they? Not exactly. Really. I don't want to make it look good for those anyway, because I'd no. rather those people weren't buying it. So you're encouraging. <laughs> no. Um, no I, I don't know. I, I would strongly encourage you to do it, because I know when I'm looking for apps, the first thing I look at is a video preview. And yeah. if the, if it's good enough, it can normally sell me one way or the other. Um, mm, that's food for thought. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, from from my point of view, it's it's a video mixing app. So it's almost like it requires a video to show it off. Yep. Whenever I've tried in the past, I've struggled with the, uh, the with the videos. It's one of those tasks that you, you, you go into thinking, okay, I just need to quickly make this video and then I'll upload it. And yeah. it just spirals out of control if you're not careful. And there's just I, so many. Like I'm, I'm watching a lot of YouTube lately. Like a lot, a lot of YouTube to the point where I'm wondering, like, do I really need Netflix? Because I could just live on YouTube. <laughs> and I'm always fascinated at the way that the, these creators edit their videos because yeah. it just looks, it looks so, so. What's the word? Obvious, inevitable. That. It's it's like well of course you edit it like that but then when when I come to do anything you realise just how hard it is yeah just I, I remember when I did one for armchair it was like I spent ages on it I was really pleased with it and I thought I was doing everything right and I left it for a couple of days and I came back to it and I was like what is this mess like I I had to just like cut so much stuff from it. And just, you know, I was cutting in the wrong places. I was doing these really weird fades because for some reason I thought at the time, oh, yeah, I'll need to fade this in. Um, just so many, so many things. It's it's an, a whole other, other skill. Yeah, it is such a skill. Yeah. And I think that's perhaps part of my, my kind of reticence to go there right now is that I, I kind of know it's going to be, it's going to be bigger than I think it's going to be if that makes sense. I, I can kind of see it being a bit of an iceberg, that's all that I go in to try and make the, the preview video, and then I'm still kind of get it, trying to get it right sort of two or three weeks later. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's kind of my, my fear. Um, Are there that, any tools? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it would seem like 
it'd be good if there was a tool for this that has maybe got like a, like a, a templated flow. So you sort of go from thing number one to thing number two for a little bit, and then a thing number three and a thing number four. And like the the amount of time that you spend on thing number one is sort of preset, and then the cut to number two is preset. So it kind yeah. of feels half decent from the start. Yeah. Because um, I was just hanging around like for almost three seconds once before I did a cut. I was like, when I watched it back, I was like, go on, cut, cut, cut. And it didn't cut to the next thing. <laughs> I was like almost shouting at the screen or shouting at myself, essentially. Um, just because for some reason that skill set I just I just didn't have. Um, I remember Marco talking about it once on ATP that he was doing some kind of video and he was editing it and he thought he was doing a pretty good job and he met up with CGP Grey and yep. he showed it to him. And I think on the iPhone, um, Grey was like, G- you know, give me the phone and just quickly edit, 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 edit. And he said the video was just like 10 times better instantly after like five minutes of Grey editing it on an iPhone, just cutting bits. Um <laughs> Which which goes to show like just how in- intuitive sort of video editing becomes, I guess, when you do it enough. Yeah. But for for you know people like us who don't do it hard, well at all slash hardly ever. Um, yeah. When it comes to it, it's it's going to be tough, isn't it? It is. It really is, and it's kind of it, there is an irony for me as well because my app is about mixing video, and yeah, when I do do that as as a hobby and as a pastime, I've got a load of videos that I've created myself. Uh, but the fact is, is that an interesting video loop for that sort of stuff is five, ten seconds of of motion graphics or or something that looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And the editing is kind of you mixing it live and adding effects and that sort of stuff. So you're not really thinking about you know narrative um, or structure in quite the same way you know you're usually following music it's a very different way of playing with video and it's a very scrappy way of playing with video as well after a point so a lot of these kind of you know sort of things that you would do to make a video look decent for the app store it's a whole different level and a whole different kind of world Um, yeah it's the same medium but a different skill set isn't it yeah yeah very much uh, you know i'd argue it's, it's kind of it's like the jump between maybe playing with an idea in in playgrounds with swift versus making a properly architected app yeah you know it's just that sort of jump um so yeah i, I feel that uh, that gear shift when i get into it all as well and and yeah, quite acutely aware that it's not my core skill set <laughs> but <laughs> feels like it should be a tool for people like us yeah because like there's enough app developers you know you, you hear apple saying we've got a million two million apps on the app store so like there must be a big percentage of those developers that could could do us some help video previews yeah um, probably got listeners now sort of like screaming into the headphones like the name of the tool that we're describing but are unable to name ourselves <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I might have a look actually because it feels like there should definitely be a tool to help us with that so that might be yeah. one thing I look into for this week <laughs> well if you find it let me know um, that, that uh, could could help me get some video previews on the go sooner than, than my mythical version 2.0 Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? 
you can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Roboheads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Roboheads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.